right, welcome back to the big program. Just a little late after the 9 o'clock hour. Sorry, Grant Fuhrer, our co-host, uh, 9 to 11, who made it back after a, well, a pretty busy last week. Grant, good morning. Good morning. How are things up there? Well, we're uh, just uh, puttering along. It's, again, the weather up here, Grant, this is probably, I'd say it's the mildest weather, mildest winter that we've had in some recent memory. I had that one stretch where it was minus, you know, 38, 39, 40 for about, I don't know, less than a week. But other than that, it's been just dandy. Not like down there in in the Phoenix area for the, the waste management to open. Wasn't that something? Yeah, a little wet, a little cold, a little chaos. Wasn't it, huh? Uh, well, let's start first with your trip. Like last week, so when last we talked on Tuesday, you were getting ready to head to, to Vegas, and you had a number of events. Uh, how'd they go? What were they again? And uh, just kind of tell us uh, what shook down. Yeah, we had a little bit of fun over in Vegas. We went over for Jim McMahon's Super Bowl golf tournament, which I've done the last couple of years. And then Ron Jaworski and Mike Ditka have a cigar party, so we Got an invitation to that, so we entertained and went over to there for a little while to see a bunch of the guys, and then we whistled back here because we had a game here Saturday night. So so you guys played Saturday, Coachella Valley, where you do color commentary for the Firebirds. How'd that game go? Uh, boys were good. Mm-hmm. We beat Henderson 4 nothing, and a nice little complete 60-minute effort. So it was a good night, and then we got another four days off, and then we play Thursday, Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday this week. Well, who's in goal on, on the weekend there? Uh, Chris Drieger played for us. Mm-hmm. So and Driegs, Driegs was really good, but the guys played phenomenal. Um, they, I mean, the depth in the in the Kraken organization is pretty darn good in goal. Oh, I think we might have lost Grant. Did we lose Grant? Duke? Yeah, no, oh. we're pretty solid. And okay. you've got no, we've got Grubauer, we've got Chris Drieger, mm-hmm. we've got. Alex Stetschka down here. So our, our guys are pretty solid through the net. How did that, uh, the Jim McMahon golf tournament go? What was that? Like, it was a scramble. What was it like? Yeah, it was just a scramble. Mm-hmm. So met some interesting businessmen and a lot of fun was had, but it was a little fresh. I think our day was <laughs> old Canadian terms about plus six, Ooh. plus seven, maybe. It's kind of so, like the whole weather down there, Grant, like right all the way through that whole belt is basically was like that for a week or so. Yeah, I mean, we, we're pretty fortunate here. We were still mid to high 60s. And we're, we're I think we we're supposed to be around 70 today. And then next week we got another little rainstorm passing through. So things are going to cool off here, get down around that plus four, plus five mark for the evening temperatures. But it'll still be nice during the day. Mm-hmm. Grant Fuhrer with us uh, from Palm Desert. Our co-host every Tuesday from 9 to 11 on Sports 1440. So on Sunday, I would imagine you were kind of watching a little TV, golf, and Super Bowl. Let's start with the golf and what you thought of the uh, WM Phoenix Open. I thought it was great. I mean, I got up early and I went and played golf and then raced home so I could watch the golf. So, no, I really enjoyed the golf. I spent a little bit of time flipping back and forth between the PGA Tour and the Live Golf because... Dustin was leading in the live golf. So once Nick Taylor got within reaching distance of the leaders, then I flipped it back to the waste management and finished watching that. But no, it was entertaining as could be. And Nick Taylor played some phenomenal golf. Mm -hmm. Man, his putter, his putter was just on fire all weekend. Yeah. Putting fixes a lot of ales (laughs) and Nick proved that. 
I mean, what he birdie five of his last six holes to end up winning in the playoffs. So it just goes to show you, if you've got a hot putter, you can get away with hitting some wild shots. And what did they say? He hadn't really hit his driver good all day long, but every chance he got to roll something in, he made it. Remember on, uh, I guess it'd be 15, the par five, 15th grant. And he had, well, I mean, he had an opportunity to really smoke something. He'd have to probably rip it about 240, 250. But he just stayed the course and, you know, laid up. And then he had a, a, a nice easy wedge in to set up a birdie. Um, what about the mentality just to kind of stay within your game in a situation like that? Well, I think that's the phenomenal part is you've got to know what you do best. And, yeah, he probably could have knocked that on the green. But to his mental choosing, he's a great wedge player. And that's one of his strengths. And he laid up to his strength. And a lot of amateur golfers can take that. Play to your strength. Mm-hmm. And he knows he knows he's a great wedge player and knocked it in close and made the putt. So you can't knock a guy for playing to his strengths. Uh, just before we get a couple of hockey questions in before the break, uh, you saw that we're going to have Jason Zubak on with us at 10 o'clock. Have you uh, crossed paths with the uh, world long drive champ over the years? Yeah, it's been a few years since I've talked to Jason, but yeah, we used to cross paths a bunch and we had the same club builder in Calgary when I finished my last year. So, Hmm. and I've known Jason since he was out in Drayton Valley. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, did you ever see him in a competition or anything, Grant, or, or like even on a, on a range or things like that? Oh yeah. I've seen Jason hit in a competition. It's impressive. I've seen him play. I've played with him a couple of times on a golf course. Oh, cool. It's a different way of watching a golf ball fly. (laughs) So when you guys are getting this, like at the same club manufacturer, I'm, I'm assuming the, the shafts are a little different and things like that. Yeah. Well, we have the same club builder. He gets his shafts and stuff from a different company than I do, but yeah. the same guy used to put them together. A guy by the name of Lyle Helen down in Calgary. So I, you get to see some of this stuff. His, his shafts were a lot stiffer than mine and the club heads, driver heads had no loft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he's, he's basically hitting a zero lofter. Yeah, it's probably three or four degrees. Three or four, so because he's his launch angle coming through would be so powerful. Um, I mean, we'll ask him all about this too, but, I mean, to have that little loft because you're swinging so hard and the launch angle is so different, that's, that's yeah, I guess, how you get away with it. Yeah. yeah, ball speed, spin rates. I mean, it's very different than the normal golfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant Fuhr with us on Sports 1440, our Tuesday co-host from 9 to 11. We'll have uh, Jason Zubak on with us at uh, 10 o'clock, the uh, five-time World Long Drive champion. And then he, I think he picked up one in the seniors uh, or older event, whatever you want to call it, uh, later on in his career. So uh, what have you made o- with the Oilers, Grant, in this last little bit? After winning 16 in a row, you're always, you know, you just, you, no one can, can, keep that level going of success. But what have you made, I guess, in the last three games where they've been one and two? Well, I think the momentum kind of got killed with the break. I mean, the break kind of, the break came at a bad point for them. They were playing so well, they were in such a good rhythm, and then you end up with the all-star break, and it it looks like it just kind of killed that rhythm and momentum that they had, but they'll get it back again. How do you get it back, and how do you turn the, the switch back on? Well, I think you just got to stick to the good habits. I mean, you're going to lose some hockey games over the course of a season. And, yeah, they didn't play their best hockey. Vegas, I thought, was a pretty good game. But Mm -hmm. Anaheim, they weren't great, but they still found a way to win. L.A., they didn't play their best hockey. So, I mean, it's a matter of 
getting back to the consistency of all the little things they were doing well before the break. Detroit Red Wings in town tonight as the Oilers uh, face the Wings. Detroit comes in with a record of 30-17-1, and or pardon me, 27-18-6. The Oilers are 30-17-1. Um, how often do you get to watch the teams out east, Grant, that maybe are a little you know earlier in the day for you uh, in the sense to because of the time zone, but have you been able to watch Detroit at all, uh, uh, or, at all or a few games uh, this year? I've seen maybe one, maybe two games with Detroit, mm-hmm. but you still follow them in the standings and such. And I think they're one of the big sleepers of the year where everybody had them penciled out of the playoffs at the start of the year. They've still got a chance. So in what was it a week ago, they were tied with the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still tied. They're going in. They're tied tonight, too. So so that, that tells you that that's a bit of a sleeper team and it's not a team you want to take lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been the topic of the last two th- days, well, three days with Morgan Riley. I'm sure you've seen it and I don't know how much you've heard about it, but up here, Grant, it just gets, it's on every 10 seconds out in Toronto. <laughs> As you can imagine, you played there, you know how it is, but have you got a, just a, a perspective on, on that and what's probably going to happen today? Uh, you know what? It, yeah, you can bury the puck into an empty net any way you like, but you also have to know there's a consequence for it. In the old days, somebody would have, probably would have just grabbed them. Yeah. But new age hockey, you're not going to do that. So sometimes the sticks come up a little bit and yeah, I get the retaliation, but at the same time, you can't cross check somebody in the head. Mm-hmm. That's that's the penalty he's going to have to pay. And my take is they're going to give them somewhere between five and seven games. Okay, that sounds that's everyone's kind of saying that five game area. By the way, it is not going to be an in person hearing anymore because uh, the terrible weather in New York, where they're bracing for quite a, a big snowstorm. So now it's going to be a, a virtual hearing due to the bad weather. Uh, in Detroit, so Morgan Riley will not be traveling to uh, the Big Apple for the hearing. They'll do it uh, virtually. So sometime this afternoon, we will uh, hear what the verdict is. Uh, when we come back, we will uh, check in with Matt Laughlin, uh, New Jersey Devils play-by-play man. The Devils uh, ended up beating Seattle last night. Grant by a score of 3-1, to one, and the Devils are in Nashville tonight. So lots to talk about with Matt. It's Kevin Carey's Grant Fear. We'll have Matt Laughlin right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. And Fountain Tire is helping you stay on the road safely with flexible payment plans to suit your needs. Talk to your local store about their financing options. Learn more at FountainTire.com. As we welcome in Matt Laughlin, Devils play-by-play man, back to the program. Uh, Matt, you're with Kevin Carries and Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fuhr. Welcome back to Sports 1440. Kevin and Grant, thanks very much for the invitation. It's an honor to be talking hockey with you guys. And uh, as I sit in a hotel room in Nashville, hoping the Devils can continue to find some winning ways. Yeah, well, uh, in Nashville tonight, but uh, a big win over the Kraken last night, Matt. Just your thoughts on how the Devils uh, came out in that game against Seattle. Well, they extended their play from Saturday against Carolina to last night's game. Now, different opponent, Carolina much better, Seattle struggling like the Devils to try to find some traction and get into the postseason. But what was most impressive from a Devils standpoint is that for the second straight game, they limited opportunities in front. Their defensemen 
blocked out well. They got inside position. The Devils' passing was better. They lost on Saturday, but they got a point out of it, losing in overtime. They got the full two points last night. And it's a template that I know every team talks about, right? Strength along the boards, win those individual battles, play good defense, uh, have some support. But the Devils just haven't been able to do that on a consistent basis, which is why they find themselves where they're at. But there's still time left. They're still knocking on the door. And if they can carry that over to tonight and then beyond, uh, maybe they can make a run at the postseason. Go ahead, Grant. I know you got a whole mitful to uh, address with Matt. Uh, morning, Matt. Good morning, Grant. Uh, so I, following all the rumors around, with the trade deadline coming up, do you think the Devils will do something in goal at the deadline? I suspect that there will be continued interest in improving that position. I think what Tom Fitzgerald is mostly concerned about is this, at what cost? Now, every trade costs you something, but I think as he assesses the team between some of the injuries that they've had, between some of the holes that have shown uh, because of those injuries and you know, some guys like Dougie Hamilton not coming back and young defensemen learning on the fly, so to speak. Uh, I think he's kind of torn a little bit. Yes, there's an opportunity here, but this is a fairly young team whose window for competing for a cup, as difficult as that is, is just opening up. So I don't think he wants to sell the farm for this year. So I know a lot of talk has been made about Calgary and and would Markstrom be available and what is the cost? And I think that as those teams go back and forth, you know, it's been reported that there was some movement and now it's backed off. I think all those factors play in. Yes, I think he would look for improvement in that position. But if they don't play better, and Greg, you can talk about this because my broadcast partner, Chico Resch, says about it, says it all the time, and you guys played the position so well. You, of course, are Hall of Famer. If you don't get help in front, there's only so much you can do. And so the devil's breakdowns on defense have led to this conversation, oh, they've got bad goaltending. I think the goaltenders could be better. I think there are better options out there perhaps to pursue but if they don't play the way they've played the last two games, it, it doesn't matter. You could be in goal at the height of your powers or Chico at the height of his, and it would only have a marginal improvement. Go ahead, Grant. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that. If you don't have help in front of you, it makes for a lot of long night. Yeah. The next question. Have had those. So, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Grant. Through their lineup, are they getting enough secondary scoring? Uh, they have consistency is why I keep coming back to on a consistent basis. No, they have not. Uh, they've gotten enough when he's healthy from Jack Hughes. They've gotten plenty from Jesper Brett. Tyler Toffoli is their leading goal scorer. Uh, you know, he has been fine. But Dawson Mercer at 27 goals last year, and, and Dawson comes into tonight's game at 15. Uh, there's an example of someone where it just hasn't developed. Timo Meyer, of course, was the big trade and signee and of the extension over the summer. He had 40. That might be his career high. We may look back at his career and say, wow, that was the best year scoring that he's had. But he's not even hit double digits in scoring any He's battled through some injuries. He hasn't scored since the calendar turned to 2024. So, no, that depth of scoring has not been there. Yet they are scoring enough. They're still in the top ten in scoring. So there's been enough 
goal scoring to help them, but not the ease with which everyone thought it would happen at the beginning of the year. So uh, finding extra sources has been difficult uh, for the Devils, and they don't get much on the defense. That's where Dougie Hamilton's absence, in my opinion, is mostly felt. He is a gifted offensive defenseman. He had a brilliant year last year. And without him, there's a lot of pressure on those forwards because they're really not getting much from the back. Mm-hmm. Matt Laughlin, Devils play-by-play man, our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin is Grant Fuhrer with you on a Tuesday morning. With a guy like Dougie Hamilton out, uh, Matt, how much, how impressed have you been with like a, a 19-year-old Luke Hughes who's been playing, you know, probably more minutes than what he should have been playing at this stage of his career. But what's what's he meant to the team so far in his young, young career? Well, you know, he has run the power play, the first power play unit, basically from the get-go. Even when Dougie was healthy, Dougie was more of a second-unit guy. Now, as they have struggled, they finally scored a power play goal last night, but they hadn't scored one since the middle of January. I think that would have changed, but now Luke is is really the only option there. Yeah, he, he is, as I said, learning on the fly, but he learns quickly, and that's what you expect from all potentially, potentially great players. Uh, he's got all the physical school, uh, skills. He's, he's the tallest of the three Hughes brothers. Uh, he's got similar vision, gating ability. All of those things are in his DNA, but it's just that process of learning this game on the fly. As, as we like to joke on the air, this is the NHL. It's not a weekend series against Wisconsin, which all due respect to Big Ten hockey in Wisconsin <laughs> It's a, it's a different level. And so it's it's an eye-opener, right? And he's not even close to 100 games in the league. Uh, his Not his partner, literally, but his partner in terms of youth and future hopes, Shimon Nemitz, hasn't played 50 games in this league. And he's seen key moments out there. So these guys have to learn in the best league in the world, and it's not always easy to do. So, uh, you know, we've seen some warts here and there with Luke, but for the most part, the grades are, are very high. Uh, I'll fire one more off, and then, Grant, you can uh, zip one in to Matt. But uh, you did touch on him, Matt, Timo Meyer. Is there a certain reason that you've seen that he just hasn't been able to gain that kind of uh, uh, attraction that he had uh, before coming over, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's there are a couple of reasons. Injury is one. He has not been healthy. He's not going to say that he's not at 100%. What player does that? Uh, but you can tell he, he's just not skating with a flow uh, that you would expect from him. I think he's fighting some confidence issues. There's pressure when you sign that big contract. And when you're not scoring and expected to, you start to kind of cave in a little bit and bring things a little closer and tighter. He started to come out of that a little bit, but but not to the degree that we have seen in the past, even with the Devils last year and certainly before that with San Jose. And I, I, I think, you know, Lindy's got to play the hand that gives him the best, Lindy being Lindy Ruff, of course, the, the, the hand that gives him the best chance to win. And sometimes that means Timo Meyer's not getting as much time uh, in any particular game as he would like. He's been kind of relegated to a third-line role, so there's only so much you can do with somewhat relative to his past limited minutes. So I think there's a whole stew of reasons why it's not worked out so far for him. Uh, It's just the first year of an eight-year relationship. We've seen other players 
in other situations. I mentioned Dougie Hamilton, his first year with the Devils. Injury play, not good. Last year, brilliant. Uh, so uh, no one's given up on Timo Meyer. It's, it's just been frustrating from all sides to see his, his lack of mm-hmm. scoring and, and lack of confidence, therefore. Grant? How has Curtis Lazar and Palat played? Uh, they have been... Terrific. I, I, you know, Andre suffered uh, an injury earlier in the year, a core injury that kept him out for a while. And he has been basically everything, though, that the Devils have wanted. And now he's up on a line with Nico Heischer and Jesper Brett, and they've been the driver of what offense the Devils have had lately. Um, and he brings all of those intangibles that they that the Devils wanted, you know, the experience, the cup resume, et cetera. And he's he's a battler. He's just a grinder. You know, people, I think, because of his success with Tampa Bay, viewed him as a scorer. He's never been a scorer. And he's not, you know, uh, there's no complaints with what he's done. I mean, he's got 20 points on the season or thereabouts, um, maybe just under. <laughs> At any rate, but that that's not what he was brought in to do. He was brought in to be that veteran presence in a dressing room with a very young team. And he's been all of that and more. Sure, everyone would like to see uh, him score a little bit more, he himself, but that that's really not what his role has been in his NHL career. Uh, and it's not here with the New Jersey Devils. But everything else is good. He's been able to keep up with the game. You know, people wondered whether that long contract uh, would, would age well. Um, and it has so far three more years after this, but nonetheless, uh, he, he's been very good for the New Jersey Devils. And Curtis Lazar is healthy, and he's been a revelation. I mean, he his engine just goes, 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 and he's been fun to watch. He blocks shots left and right. He goes down. He gets buckled because he's not afraid <laughs> to take the shot and catches his breath on the bench, and he's back out there again. He's just he, – he's been a wonderful addition. Good face-off man. Again, a guy who battles in the corners. Devils have needed more of that. He's brought that and more. We only saw a small sample of him last year when he came over from Vancouver, and he was banged up. So we didn't see the real Curtis Lazar. I I, I think we're seeing it now. He's He's been fabulous. Yeah. Matt Laughlin, uh, Devil's play-by-play man, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fuhr and Sports 1440. It's a big weekend uh, for for you guys and the Rangers and everyone else uh, with the stadium series going on this weekend, Matt. So uh, the Devils take on uh, Philly on Saturday at MetLife. What's it going to be like to kind of be a, a part of this? And have, have you done these before, Matt? I, I had the pleasure uh, to do one outdoor game and that was back in 2013 when the Devils played the Rangers at Yankee Stadium and it was just a brilliant location and a sea of blue Ranger fans and red Devils fans going back and forth and it it was just awesome this is a a different setting football stadium will be a little farther away uh, (laughs) but the the excitement is there and it's not the same rivalry as the Rangers Devils but uh, the Rangers, uh, excuse me, the Devils Flyers certainly has a long history and there are a lot of long memories about playoff uh, wins or losses, depending on which side of the fence you're sitting. And so that will make it a very exciting Saturday night for sure uh, under the lights at MetLife Stadium. But most importantly, you know, the Devils are looking to gain on Philadelphia and They do have three games in hand on them. They are eight points behind them. So that's a big swing game, potentially big swing game. And so there'll be a lot on the line. They'll have to take care of business tonight and Thursday against L.A. for that game to matter. But it'll be fun. Uh, 
ticket sales have been robust and under the lights and it's not an Edmonton winter, but it's still winter <laughs> nonetheless. And so you'll see your breath in the air and it'll be all those good things. You, you know, so they're saying the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> the Jonas Brothers. That's the key, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I was out to uh, brunch with uh, uh, two of my sons and their significant others and my wife on Sunday. And uh, one one of my son's uh, girlfriends said, oh, the Jonas Brothers are playing? I didn't realize. <laughs> she's not much of a sports fan, but she's going to the game. Uh, and then she's, oh, the Jonas. Well, you didn't tell me the Jonas Brothers was playing. I, and, and my son Connor's like, I didn't know you were Jonas Brothers fan. So, uh, yeah, that adds an extra element to Jersey band with a lot of prominence. And then there's, there's another band here that I don't know if their name has made it out west, but uh, the Gaslight Anthem is a Jersey-based band that's had a lot of success, too, and they'll be performing during one of the intermissions. So the whole thing, tailgating, uh, you know, the Giants and Jets playing there, it's its just a wonderful setting. Mm. So you, you and Chico will do the game. Will you be up or down, or how does, how does it work? We are going to be up. Initially, okay. I had heard reports that we were going to be down, and I was looking forward to it, though, that up against the glass location makes it difficult when the puck goes the other way, but I was looking forward to it. Then I started to think, hmm, game is the puck drops around 8.20, means we'll end around, you know, going on 11 o'clock. Yeah. You know, temperature's going to be in the 20s. Again, I know nobody in Edmonton is saying, oh, you poor baby. Yeah. But to sit there for three hours in that cold, uh, <laughs> it would be an experience, but the best thought about as opposed to, actually living so we'll be upstairs it'll be a long way away but it, it still will be good so chico will be nice and toasty grant so you when you were growing up and then when you were in vic chico was in with the islanders at that time by the time you got to the nhl i guess he would have been mostly in new jersey a little bit with colorado and some with philly but um just your your thoughts on on matt's broadcast partner oh chico's one of the nicest people i've met in the game and a phenomenal goalie. I mean, unfortunately for him, he played on some other than the Islander teams. He played on some not very good teams, mm -hmm. but he made some not very good teams very respectable. And it was always fun to talk to him, always fun to play against him. Uh, Matt, I always kind of, at the end of these segments, when we have guys on with Grant, I always say, if you've got something you wanted to fire off at Grant, that obviously you've uh, watched and covered uh, his career over uh, many years, I kind of leave the floor open to a lot of uh, uh, guests, whether they be you know former players or, in this case, a broadcaster. But if, if you've got something off the top of your head that you want to fire off Grant's way, please do. Well, you know what I, what I think about is I think people say, oh, it was so easy for those Oilers teams, Hall of Famers from the goal on out, and, uh, and they were a machine. There's no question about it. But I'm just wondering, Grant, what internal pressures you felt. I mean, you had to be confident, obviously, with with your play and, and with the play of your mates and knew that going in. You know, I think about some of the Devils teams when they walked into the building and you knew you might not win every game, but they were going to make you pay a price and most likely they would come out. But there is pressure to perform to the level expected. I'm just kind of wondering what that was like. It seemed so easy, but I know it wasn't. No, there's the accountability for us came from in, within the room. I think that was the biggest thing. And then you've got a fan base in Edmonton that if you're having success and winning, they expect more success and winning. So there was also that little bit of pressure from behind us. But most of our accountability came with from with each other, where everybody wanted the best of each other every day. And it didn't matter if it was practice, games. You wanted everybody at their best every day. 
And you would have seen that with all the great Devils teams too, right, uh, Matt? Oh, with no question about it. Um, you know, Scott Stevens was not the kind of guy who got up in the middle of the room and made a lot of speeches. Now, he didn't have to, but if you came in, he, you know, first off, he'd cross-check you in a practice. It's a different <laughs> game. But, you know, if you weren't running the drill the, way, the right way, bang, there'd be a little cross-check in the back as a reminder that we have higher expectations. But everyone would tell you no one wanted to get the uh, – no one wanted to get the glare from number four if you weren't living up to, you know, that accountability. Like, we have something important at stake here, and, you know, let's let's not waste any opportunities. Yeah, no, I, I can certainly appreciate what you were saying there, uh, Grant. Uh, the devil certainly exhibited that back in the day for sure. Well, we really appreciate your time, Matt. I know you got a bunch of prep work to go to uh, get ready for tonight's game against uh, Nashville. Maybe you can slip off to Tootsie's for a late lunch or something like that. <laughs> That's always a possibility. <laughs> Temptation is just outside the door. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it. Take care. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you very much. Be well. Yeah, that's Matt Laughlin, uh, New Jersey Devils play-by-play man, and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. When we come back, it's going to be, are you in or are you out with Grant Fuhr? And then top of the hour, Jason Zubak will join us, the world long drive champion. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show with co-host Grant Fuhr on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, 942 in Edmonton. Oilers getting ready to take on the Detroit Red Wings tonight at Rogers Place. The uh, Oilers got a favor last night from the Minnesota Wild as the Wild beat Vegas by a score of 5-3. to three. So that's good news in the standings. So time now for Are You In or Are You Out with Grant Fuhr. Okay, okay, you know what? Moving too fast. Bottom line, are you in or are you out? In or out of what? No time for questions, just action. In or out. Well, then I'm out. I'm sorry, Jet. Actually, you're already in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I thought you would go, I'm in, Bob. We would have had a really cool moment, but uh, you kind of ruined the whole thing. All right, Duke, let her rip, big fella. Edmonton Oilers back in action tonight at home at Rogers Place to take on the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, We chatted with Will Birchfield a little earlier in the program today talking about the possibility of the Red Wings becoming sellers at this year's deadline. And I'm saying if they fall out of the playoff race and do fall into that category, their roster and uh, Mm -hmm. whether it be pending free agents or some guys with terms should be prime targets for Ken Holland to bolster the Oilers team heading down the home stretch. You know what, Fierzy, I'll let you go first on this one if you want, or I can go. It's up to you. I can go if you like. All righty, let her rip, big guy. I think I'm in on that. I mean, Detroit's got some very useful pieces, and I don't see them falling out of the playoff race, but if they were to happen to get into a little bit of a rut and have a crash and burn, then, yeah, I think there's a lot of useful pieces on that roster. I'm going to agree with you, Fierzy. Uh, also, add on the element uh, of Ken Holland having a lot of familiarity with Steve Eiserman. That's a big piece to this puzzle. Let me throw this one at you. And, of course, everyone's talking about David Perron because he's a guy that would add a lot of depth. And I, I totally agree in the sense, too, I don't think that the Wings are going to fall out of this. I think they have enough talent and have enough um, um, pieces uh, and personnel to continue on and, and pick up a wild card spot or even go for third in the division as well. 
But they have a, a couple of guys. Like David Prawn is the number one guy you would think of. How about this? And then we'll just throw this out there. But he would have to, he would have to grant waive his no trade clause. If the Red Wings were to fall off the map, how about Patrick Kane as an oiler? Patrick Kane is exactly the piece that the Oilers need. Second ling, second line right winger. Could you imagine him playing with Leon Draisaitl, or even figuring out if there's a, a chance where he would play with Connor McDavid? Um, I, this is a total dream, a total dream. But he would have to waive his no trade, making two point seven five. So it's right. It's just a perfect number, Grant. Do you think it could ever happen? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure it could ever happen, but it'd be a really nice fit. Oh. I mean, in a perfect world, you get both those players. I mean, David Perron's sneaky good at adding secondary scoring as well. So, I mean, if you could add those two guys, David Perron can play the hard grinding minutes, mm-hmm. but you get a natural goal scorer like Patrick Kane, it, it would tip the Oilers over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think obviously it's just a dream scenario. You'd have Kane and Kane, Evander and Patrick. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a lot of options with the lineup. That's the beauty of that. And for a power play that's been a little flat this year, that also adds another element to that. Mm-hmm. So it can fill a lot of holes. <laughs> and even looking a little further down the list at some like cheaper options too, for whether it be depth guys uh, and players that don't jump to mind when they say top six, but the production kind of says that they can fill that role. Uh, the likes of a couple expiring contracts in both Daniel Sprong, um, a, a pure shooter. He's not going to do much for you apart from score goals, but all of a sudden that's looking like it might be a more pressing issue than stopping them for the Oilers, uh, whether it be in the top six or kind of in the middle six. And then Michael Rasmussen, he can play center. He's a massive body, 6'6", has a bit of a mean streak to his game too. He's an RFA granted at the end of the year, but uh, those are two names that I wouldn't mind, um, you know, at least circling on and seeing what exactly the price is to pry them out of Detroit if, like I said, uh, they were to fall out of the race because if they stick around, I don't think either of those guys are, are probably top of the list for the, the Red Wings to move on from. And the other thing, too, with Perron has that familiarity here, too. 100%. Being here 10 years ago, so. Big, uh, a, a big factor without a doubt. Uh, number two, last night, the Flames and Rangers, they played a great game from MSG. Igor Shesterkin uh, pitching the shutout. Jonathan Quick has been lights out for them virtually all season long. Uh, the back end is rock solid. It's uh, one of the tops face-off men in Vinny Trocek scoring up front and depth from the blue line. Uh, I'm saying the New York Rangers, despite being technically third in the NHL standings, <laughs> are at the top of the league's power rankings uh, heading into the second half of this week. I'm going to be, I'm out on this one, and I'm. this is the first time all year, Duke, that I'm going to give some love to the Vancouver Canucks. This is the first time <laughs> all year. I, I still cannot believe the Canucks are the only team really out west that hasn't had a little bit of a stumble, a little bit of a fall. Canucks right now with a, a 717 uh, winning percentage, 35 wins, 12 losses, 6 ties. They've got 76 points to lead the West, lead the league technically. I am going to go. I'm out on this because I'm going to say Vancouver, in my mind, number one power ranked team in the league. I'm going to kind of alter that a little. I'm going to go with a 1A and a 1B. So the Rangers in the East, most definitely. And I got to agree with Kevin with the Canucks in the West. I think Rick Tockett's done a phenomenal job there. And knowing talk, he's not going to let them take their foot off the gas pedal. So I don't see them having a slump before the playoffs. So I would put both of them in that category of being a, a 1A, a 1B in the power rankings. 
Duke, you like the Rangers after watching them last night. I, we were I, talking I, about their depth. I've watched a lot of them this year, actually, yeah. and they just really impressed me. And Igor Shesterkin only, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, was was considered kind of the usurper to Andre Vasilevsky as the best goalie in the league. I still think Vasilevsky kind of has earned the right to hold on to that until proven otherwise come playoff time for an extended stretch. But Shesterkin's that. And what they've got on Jonathan Quick this year, like, how, how many teams can really be confident in saying that if their starting goaltender were to, goal that were to go down, that it wouldn't really change too much in the immediate makeup of their team? Because mm-hmm. Quick is playing just as often as Shesterkin uh, in the last little bit. He's been great. Norris Trophy winners on the back end. One of the best defensive guys in the league in Jacob Truba. Yep. Um, Zabinijed, Panarin. Like it's, it's just top to bottom. And now you've got like Lafreniere kind of breaking out this season a bit as well. This Brzezinski guy who I'd never even heard of. He's a, a pretty <laughs> decent producer. They, they've just really impressed me pretty much from the start of the season. Um, but one, the Canucks are a very fair answer because as we've uh, repeated ourselves a million times, they're really the only team without at least a minor lull mm-hmm. in in their season so far. So I'll, I'll respect that answer wholeheartedly. Hey, hey Grant, do you, would you say that uh, Jonathan Quick is the best backup in the league right now? Yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. I think he's found his mojo again, and he's played extremely well. I mean, if you look at the start of the year when Sesterkin had a little bit of struggles and was a little banged up, Jonathan Quick came in and played phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I think the Rangers don't change the way they play in front of either one. And I think that's what makes the big difference is they've kind of got that 1A, 1B system going where the team doesn't have to alter the way they play. And that's a huge advantage. And he's had to change his mindset from being that workhorse of 60 games and things like that in in L.A. But he hasn't missed a beat uh, to take on this new role and even, you know, when to take over a number one role for, you know, just short periods of time in, in New York. How, how does a goaltender do that? It's part of being a veteran. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is he's been around. He's seen it all. So he knows exactly where he's slotted in and he's still got lots left in the tank. I think that's the big thing is he's healthy now. I think the last couple of years in LA, he wasn't healthy and he's healthy now and he's playing good. (laughs) All righty. The other side of that uh, goaltending duel last night was Jacob Markstrom, who has been lights out in his most recent stretch of games. Uh, A shutout uh, was he'd won five in a row. I believe it was until last night. Um, largely speculated about in trade rumors earlier in the year when he was struggling more so, I think. But now with his return to form, I think teams are going to be willing to pay a pretty good premium to bring him into the fold. Uh, And I think Jacob Markstrom will be traded by this year's deadline. Go ahead, Fierzy. Um, I think if Craig Conroy can get the right deal, I could see Markstrom being moved. I think Dustin Wolf's ready to step up and play in the National Hockey League. So they've got, between Wolf and Vladar, they've got... Adequate goalies to play in behind them. So, yeah, I think if they get the right deal where they can benefit and make their hockey club better, then I could see Markstrom moved. This is a tougher one for me only because I think Calgary's coming on a little bit. And I think everyone would say it's a pretty well a given that Chris Tanev gets moved. Noah Hannafin, not sure exactly what. Markstrom's got two more years on his contract uh, at six million bucks a year. That's That's a... That's a good cap-sized, good hit for a team to take on at this time. I'm going to go, I'm out on this only because I think Calgary is going to come on, continue on. Uh, one Could have easily won the game last night. Could have easily had, uh, I guess, gone four for four on this road trip. So Calgary comes home. They've got some key games coming up here. I'm going to go, I'm out on this. I think that uh, Markstrom won't be traded by the deadline. 
the Devils, I think a, a prime one. Uh, we just chatted about it with Matt Laughlin, uh, even with Frank a little bit earlier. Apparently a deal almost in place to send Markstrom to Jersey, but kind of falling apart. But there's a lot of other teams that I think are, I don't know, in not desperate need yet. But as we get closer to the deadline, the heat might turn up. And uh, one name, the connection's there because uh, he's the GM that brought him into the fold and signed him to this big deal. Uh, Brad Tree living in Toronto. If Samsonov uh, falters again, it's going to cost a lot and you're going to have to move money around to make it happen, uh, both retain money and stuff out the door. But uh, I I think the Leafs could be a team that, if you make it work, uh, could look at bringing Markstrom in. They're, they're, They're out of runway here. Like they have to, they cannot miss the playoffs. I agree, but I mean, I just don't know how you make that trade work. The amount of money you got to send out because you're bringing on salary next year. Mm-hmm. You know, you're bringing on that extra, what, six, seven million for next year. Well, that's the thing. So, like, if you look at it in making it work for the rest of this year, and then you have the off season to Ugh. figure what else out, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it would be easy, but I think the tree living connection makes a lot of sense. He's obviously a big fan of Markstrom and what he's uh, had accomplished prior to signing him into that big deal. So I, uh, it's just a, maybe a, a more off-the-radar team that I think could could Man. be in the mix. you got so many mo- no movement between Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, and, and Bertuzzi while well, he comes off the books next year. Mm-hmm. But those top four guys are, are all no-move clause. Well, but I mean, it doesn't matter who the who yeah. they have. They're in, they're in a and cap. And Riley. They're in cap trouble yeah. regardless, I think. But uh, mm-hmm. shifting over to the world of golf, uh, Tiger Woods had recently ended his relationship with Nike, now teaming up with TaylorMade to now uh, launch a new Sunday Red apparel line. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Tiger famous for wearing the red polos on Sunday. And I'm saying that look, whether it be uh, for a uniform oh. or just, um, I don't know, uh, a persona almost to a point is the most iconic for any individual athlete uh, across the span of time. So this includes Bieber's coat at the All-Star game? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's It was iconic for sure. Every time on Sunday, it seemed to... It, it, did you think Grant that gave him an advantage to some to some extent to, against uh, his competitive, uh, you know, against the other golfers he was competing against? I don't think he gives you any advantage. I mean, I think it was uh, something to do with something over in the Asian culture where mm. red is a power color. Yeah. And I think that's through his mother. So I, does it give him an advantage? No. Is it iconic? Definitely. Is it the most iconic? I'm not sure I would go with that. I think Michael Jordan in his shoes might mm. be the most iconic. That's a good point. I just kind of going down the line, like when you're playing Tiger on Sunday, it always, you know, he was intimidating enough as it was, maybe this just added another element to it. That's all I'm kind of trying to grasp. Yeah, at. I, think his, I think his ball striking was probably more intimidating <laughs> than his clothes. Well, but, you know. but, but even you think about it, like other players, if they wore red on Sunday, they were almost like criticized and be like, oh, you think you're Tiger Woods? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, like it reached that that only Tiger could wear it. And, and it's like, definitely the most iconic for sure for sure uh and lastly uh, today world radio day and uh, to quote chris parnell's character from hot rod uh, am radio is still a viable source for news <laughs> and entertainment it is it is uh we're living proof of it but uh, on the music side of things uh, away from the world of sports and sports talk radio uh, it's just something about when you're listening to the radio real radio and your favorite song whether it be a, an old favorite or your current favorite comes up on the uh, the dj set list there's no feeling that can match it compared to like streaming and it comes up on shuffle or your playlist or even a mixtape in the cd player mm-hmm. or something there is nothing quite like the euphoria of your favorite song coming up on radio oh yeah 100 in on this and the reason why it's a surprise 
You're not expecting it. And a song comes on, whether it be whatever radio station you're listening to, it could be one of your favorites from years past or maybe something that is a newer song that you're listening to and you kind of want to hear it because it's popular at the moment. But I think more specifically, maybe for me, and I guess, Grant, you're a couple of years older than me, but when you hear an older song that you, you really liked back in the day and you hear it come on as a as a surprise, you get it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. So I'm 100% in on this one. Yeah, I agree. I like the surprise element of it. And it's pretty easy to find it in a playlist when you expect it to come on, but it's kind of nice when you're listening to the radio and it kind of appears out of nowhere. Well, the other thing too, Grant, you and I have trouble with the technology aspect. So when it comes on on the radio, it's just, a, it's, it's a little simpler for us, isn't it? Well, I figured out my Apple playlist, so I, I can run with playlists <laughs> when I'm driving. <laughs> Uh, this text comes in uh, from Husks Grant. I saw Grant wearing a sweet pair of Jordan 11s at BP across from the arena a while back. Agreed with most iconic and good choice for the kicks. Is that true, Grant? You were wearing a, a pair of Jordan 11s? I, going back. I've got a few pairs of Jordans. Yeah. You don't have My a whole... Six, six rings are the favorites. So. Yeah. Do you have a whole closet of like Nikes or what do you got? No, I've probably got, so oh, I don't know, 10 or 11 pairs. Wow. Holy smokes. How many golf shoes have you got? Uh, that's not counting the golf shoes. Oh, yeah. So I, I probably get eight or nine pairs of the Jordan golf shoes too. Do you, when you're wearing a pair of golf shoes and you have a good round, do you go, I'm wearing these again, no matter what, for the next round? No, it kind of matches to what I'm wearing. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking them off. That, adds, that just adds another headache to the game of golf. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine that? That's all the guy needs now. We'll see if Zubak uses the same uh, shoes all the time with uh, his rocket launchers. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, thanks for that, Grant. Good job, Duke, again with, uh, with the inner out questions. When we come back, we will uh, check in with Jason Zubak, five-time World Long Drive champion and then one at the senior level as well. That's coming up. Kevin Carey's Grant Fuhrer on Sports 1440. Before that, here is the Duke with the Sports 1440 update.